0: Welcome back, talkers. It is Cello, your host of the I'm Just Talking podcast. It is currently Saturday, May 15th, uh, 10, 13 p.m. Not a usual record time for me, but there's so many things going on that I felt like I had to, like, talk about something. There's there's three subjects in particular that I want to talk about. And I'm not really sure how to, like, which one to talk about first. Um, I'm a huge New York Nick fan, and they're about to make the playoffs. They just beat... Oh, Jesus, I should look it up again. But forgive me, I've had a few drinks but they just beat the um they just they just won a game tonight. I'm going to look it up here real quick. But they're now in technically first place, uh, fourth place in the East and that only holds if um Atlanta Atlanta loses, which it doesn't seem likely based on who they're playing. But the Knicks just beat um the Hornets. I almost said the Grizzlies and I always get those two mixed up. The uh, Matt Harvey came back to uh, City Field. I'm a m- huge Met fan as well. And Kobe Bean Bryant was inducted into the National Basketball Association Hall of Fame. And uh, of course, my podcast is tagged as Self Help Education. And I don't know that any of these are in that realm. I really feel like. I need to talk about Kobe. And I think what's the most important about that is that I wasn't a huge Kobe fan. Before I get into that, I want to thank everybody who's listening. Anybody who came across me on Instagram at I'm underscore, just underscore talking, T-A-W-K-I-N. Um... Follow me: Spotify, Apple Pod, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Anchor, Google Podcast, Pocket Cast, Overcast, Cast Box, Radio Public. Um, so let's 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 get into this thing. Um, my girlfriend is a huge Laker fan, and of course that means I'm subject to watching the Lakers. Um, me and her met in 2003, so I was there for some of those championships. Of course, when Powell came to town. And, um, I always felt like Kobe during his playing days was really a Jordan wannabe. The fist pump, the fadeaway, you know, and, and again, Jordan is like the greatest of all time, in my opinion. Like, don't even fuck with me with that fucking LeBron bullshit. Jordan just fucking stuck it to everybody. It didn't matter to no, it didn't matter. He fucking stuck it to everybody. And, um, in 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 this conversation, which might take up all 30 minutes, so this might be like a three-segment part, but anyway. um, But, like, Kobe was always like, flattery will get you everywhere. And I just didn't, you know, maybe I didn't recognize his greatness. Even though I watched a ton of games, he had Shaq. I was bitter because the Knicks didn't win no shit, right? Because I just talked about how big of a Knicks fan I am. Um, but then again, that's the reason why, like, I hold Jordan in such high esteem. So, in that regard, like, Kobe could never live up. And, like, God rest his soul. I don't mean that in any disrespect. Um, I was gonna put this episode out next Monday, but I'm just gonna meld all these shits together. But I wanna open with Kobe, because Kobe, um... After he retired was different. Like, I follow a guy named Patrick Bed David. And honestly, I, I follow him on Instagram. And I don't even know if I follow him on YouTube, but I came across him on YouTube, and he was very captivating to me. And he had some interviews, and one of the interviews he did was with Kobe. And when Kobe came across as a real person, and I'm I, I look, I like I have a potty mouth, and I haven't done that much on this podcast, but like Kobe's like, he was just like, no bullshit. You know what I mean? Like he talked about how when he came to the NBA, it was like easy and people weren't trying hard and he was going to try hard. And the mama mentality wasn't something that I gave a lot of credence to until after he died. And my girlfriend says, you know, that I shouldn't be touched by his death. And it's sad that people like him die and then people like me understand his greatness. This dude was in the gym as often as he could be. And all he did was play ball. And his and his family suffered for it. And ultimately that took his death because he wound up flying on a helicopter because it was faster than sitting in LA traffic and that became his mode of transportation. He was comfortable with it and whatever. And I remember right before he died, there's a very, this clip plays all the time now because John Gianna, Gianna and, then, and by the way, there's a backstory to this a little bit too, but anyway, his daughter Gianna was with him. I want to say they were at a 76ers game, which is hometown and shit. And they were talking, and they were. it was obvious by reading their lips that they were talking about basketball. And she smiled, and her smile and his smile were, like, identical. And he's a good-looking man. Like, don't get me wrong. And she was a good-looking girl. I mean, granted, she's only 13, but you know what I'm saying? She She was a good-looking person. And it captivated me. Like, I don't know, that was the time when I'm like, yeah, well, between the interview with Patrick Beg David on Valuetainment, you know, somebody tell him I gave him a plug. And then that, and then that picture in my mind of them two, and then she dies. My older brother's like, yo, Kobe died? And I'm like, Kobe? Only Kobe I fucking know of is Kobe Bryant. And fucking sure enough, he died. And, you know, a lot of, you know, he played great, like, you know, a lot has been making about when he blew out his Achilles, and he threw, the, he, and he still shot the free throws. But like, he was great. There's, there's no fucking two ways about it. I was a hater, and I hate even saying I was a hater. But the backstory is, is I lived in Italy when I was a teenager, and if you've been listening, and you're one of the people I know, one of my friends, or whatever, there was a guy, a former NBA player. Play in Italy. Came to our high school. And he gave us kind of a pep talk. I don't remember the guy's name. But one of my friends. My boy Eric. Corroborated that that was his dad. And why this is significant. Is because a lot is made about Kobe living in Italy. And playing against grown men. And that kind of started his. Journey towards like. Overtaking the masses. Now. Now. I don't know for 100% certain that it was his dad, but if it was, it makes complete sense. Because in Italy, if you're talented, mostly in soccer or what they call calcio or football, they groom you. So my guess is, is that him playing against grown men groomed him purposely or indirectly. Comes back to the States, six foot eight whatever he was, 205, 215 pounds. And he was obviously better than 99.9% of the group, right? So he comes back, patterns his game after Jordan. You know, he had a little bit of a crossover, a few fancy dribbles, but this guy was going to the cup. He was dunking on people, you know, in the beginning. I remember against Utah, he had like two air balls. I think it was his rookie year and shit. And all that did was fuel his fire. So why this became important to me was because when he died, I think I adopted the Mamba mentality. Now, granted, no one's ever going to be Mamba like him, but I work out a lot. I I started this podcast, which again, comes up a lot because I felt like it was my shot. Like, fuck it, do it. And what's the worst is going to happen? And um, his Hall of Fame speech was tonight. And I thought Vanessa did a great job talking about how he sacrificed and um how he was a leader and he was a man and his favorite player was Jordan and all that did guy did was be great so on the back end you got to have a good team you got to have a Vanessa Bryant on your side because if you're trying to be great you got to have someone who understands what it is to be great. And I feel like I want to be great. And I've always wanted to be great. So way back in the days when I was a kid, like my brother, my brother Anthony and my cousin Carmelo, those fools will probably never listen to this. But we played knee football in my Aunt Mary's couch, in the living room, I'm sorry. And I had to get to the ball on the couch. The, fu- the fucking stereotypical Italian household with plastic on the couch and shit. And those guys drove me. And I always wanted to be an NFL running back. And I guess, uh, to begin with, I'm a little over five foot tall. So that shit wasn't going to happen. But, like, I've always tried to be the best. My kids don't win at fucking bowling. My kids don't win at fucking darts. My kids don't win at fucking anything we do together. And... And again, that's not to be shit on my kids, but like, I'm so competitive, I compete against my kids. So when he died, was right around the, you know, the beginning of the pandemic or whatever. So I decided I wanted to have a Mamba mentality. Started going to the gym, I started running, I started pushing myself, and that shit hasn't wavered, I should say. And... um I almost get teary eyed when I think about the interview he had with Patrick Bed David and he talked about how like he'd go to the gym and other guys wouldn't or how it was so much easier because so many guys had secured their bag and they got their money and they weren't motivated. So now I'm motivated and now I'm thinking about like what motivates me. I spent a lot of years. I'm a hard worker. I, I I never went to college, and I worked my way up to a to a decent corporate job. That of course, COVID fucked like it like you know fifty percent of the company country or whatever. But what I'm saying is is like that mama mentality really does drive me. And it's different. Like um, now obviously I'm almost forty six years old. I'm never going to be a basketball player. I'm never going to be an NFL running back. I'm never going to be a second baseman for the New York Mets. But what I'm saying to you is, look back on Kobe. Granted, somewhat gifted. Someone hit the jackpot with his father being an NBA player. But his father wasn't an NBA great. Don't misunderstand. His father played for a few years in the NBA for the Sixers, I think it was. Then went to Italy. And probably. And let's be honest. The competition, especially back in the late 70s, early eighties, whatever, early, you know, early nineties, was garbage for them. So a guy like um I think his name's dad's name is Joe. A guy like Joe Bryant could make it in those days. But Kobe was a different breed, man. And it hurts me that he's dead. It really does. Like I, I feel guilty like I didn't give that guy his due. And, um, man, it really it really bugs me. It bugs me because I was so like, nah, fuck that. Jordan's the man. Jordan stuck it to New York every year. And nobody won a championship until Jordan was out of league. But I watched a lot of Kobe games, and I should have appreciated It didn't matter They had a similar fadeaway. It didn't matter that he could take one dribble to his left and pull up and hit a jumper. It didn't matter that he could hit, you know, Shaq with a pass, an alley-oop to the Blazers, which was actually a little bit better than Jordan. I don't think Jordan had – he had good assists, but, but, you know, and then what about Kobe, like, at the end where, like, he scored 60 on his last game and – you know, my girlfriend said spend 15 minutes on Kobe. I don't know if I, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know. It might have to be more. It might have to be less on Matt Harvey. It might have to be less on the on the on the Knicks making the playoffs. And I'm not even a huge Kobe fan. Like I wouldn't sport a Kobe jersey. But then again, I probably wouldn't sport a Jordan jersey too because he fucking broke my heart so many years. Kobe, I don't know if you're listening. I don't know if you can hear, man. But I'm sorry I didn't appreciate you. And I know there's a lot of people, my family members included, that are, they're they're, they're struggling because you're not here. Like it bothers them still to this day. And um, in Italian, it would be "Ti voglio bene," which means. Loosely translates to I love you, but it really means I love you a lot or I like, I want you a lot. Um. Kobe, like, this is how much my girlfriend liked. She almost wanted to name our son Kobe and I wasn't having it. She had a dog she named Kobe that, you know, I mean, I don't know if she would have really named our son Kobe, but. And I'm not even talking about the basketball part of it. I'm just talking about like, he just talked about like his mentality and his, this is in that interview, like his mentality, how he knew that he was superiorly, he was mentally superior to other people and he had to put the physical work to make the mental superiority work. And that's what I want to do. It's harder for me. Because, again, he knew at a young age. And I think if you know what you want and you're passionate at a young age, you're going to be a little bit more successful than the rest of us. But, yo, Kobe, dude, I don't know. you. I hope you're listening. And, again, there's tens of millions of us that are talking to you, if not thirties of millions. I swear to you, I never bought a Kobe jersey. I never bought uh, Mambas. I never bought Nikes with Kobe's name on it. But in retrospect, in passing, in death, I really, really want to have a Mamba mentality. Kobe. Man, I I can't say Mamba out because I ain't the Mamba, but bro, there is so many of us that are trying to have the Mamba mentality, and we love you, and... It's such a tough time. You know things like this are going to come up all the time. Vanessa did a great job. I don't know if Michael talked because I like, haven't seen her on NBA because I, I mean on um on any video because I wasn't listening. But even on your ceremony, Shaq talked good about you. Jordan talked good about you. The basketball world loves you, and uh, I know Italy loves you. Rest in peace, Mamba. Congratulations on the Hall of Fame. Vanessa, good job. All right, next segment coming soon. All right, you guys, this is segment two. I'm going to throw all of these together to make my next episode. But I led with Kobe Bryant. Most, Most important, but ironically not the most longevity in my heart. Um, the next one is about Matt Harvey, otherwise known as the Dark Knight. Um, Picture for the New York Mets, two thousand thirteen to two thousand and eighteen, I believe. And um, I can't quote. Oh, I could, but I'm not gonna because it's not my mo. But he he was the he was the one that started bringing the Mets back, albeit with the bullshit Will Ponds and their. Freaking crazy. Trying to be like small like uh money ball, but not really the whole shit. But he started the all-star game for the Mets. He had a really good record until he hurt himself. So he uh he, he pitched 2013. Um I think he pitched the all-star game that year. Um he blew out his elbow, I think, towards the late of that year and had um oh, Tommy John surgery. Um then he came back in 2015, and this is the biggest memories besides the Tonight Show, and or maybe it was Jimmy Fallon, where they talked about like they sent him on the street, like asking Met fans and New Yorkers about Matt Harvey, the new guy, you know, the new ace and shit, and people didn't really know who the hell he was. But then 2015 rolls around, and I started pay, sort of paying attention to the Mets again around the 2013-2014 frame. Then 2015 comes around, and I remember like we were kind of good and whatever. And then uh, we got Joannis and I was freaking so stoked. But Harvey started coming around towards in that year because he had just come back from Tommy John. And then the controversy, lack of a better term, maybe, started. They started talking about how like he could only pitch like, I don't know, whatever it was, 175 innings or whatever. And, um, you know, it was kind of a battle back and forth. And I think. To Harvey's credit, he battled with his agents because, you know, they saw the payday, but, he, you know, he wanted to be a part of the team. This guy was no bullshit. At the time, he was the leader. He came back. You know, DeGrom was – I don't think DeGrom was a rookie, but DeGrom was really young. You know, Thor was a Thor. Noah Syndergaard was a rookie. Um, you know, we still had Bartolo Colon at that point. David Wright was just – this is a, like – Mid 2014, uh, 15, or whatever, David Wright was just coming back for the first time. We had gotten guys like Uribe, called up guys like Conforto, but there was guys like Kelly Johnson, uh, Curtis Grandison was one of my favorite Mets of all time. You know, guys like this, and 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 all of a sudden we beat the Nationals and we're like in the mix and shit, and we have the division lead, and it was great. And Harvey was just throwing gas right, and that was his mo before before Tommy John. And Tommy John, especially now, this is 2021 now, Tommy John in in probably the early 80s, maybe even the early 90s, was like a freaking pitcher death sentence, you know what I mean? And this guy was throwing gas. So I should have said this three minutes and 26 seconds ago, but I became a Met fan living on Long Island. And 1986, the Mets charged all the World Series. I was 11 years old. And, I, and that's, like, maybe one of the first times I really picked my own team. And uh, I've been a Mets fan ever since. Like, the Yankees, don't really hate on them. But I could give a rat's ass if they win. Or lose, for that matter. So, you know, they were pretty good. The '86, they won the World Series. 87, 88. You know, and there were some years they were really terrible. We got Piazza, late 90s. We went to the World Series in 2000. and. God, but of course we had to lose to the fucking Yankees. And uh, then we were decent, you know. Um, a couple of years I remember watching, I was on a work trip, and Beltran takes a 3-2 pitch on the inside corner and shit. Then we were fucking terrible forever. All of a sudden... uh all of a sudden, we're fucking good in 2015. Yowenis Cespedes comes in, and I and I remember that was the guy I really wanted. And they talked about getting, um, I don't remember the guy from the Brewers. He played with us last year or the year before, Carlos something or other. Anyway, they get they don't get him. That that trade falls through, and then they get Yowenis. But Matt Harvey was just fucking balling out of control that year. I don't remember his record. I really don't give a shit. I just remember him throwing gas. And we were doing good, and I remember being like, "Fuck, this is going to derail us. We're doing so good, and this guy and his agent—they're battling about innings cap and whatever." And I want to say that he told them no, he wanted to pitch. And I remember in that game five, man, like we had a 2-0 lead, and he came out. Actually, it might it had to have been going into like that, going into the inning, like bottom of the eighth or whatever it was, and he and he and he got the final out. And just and he always had that swagger, like, no, fuck that. I'm the ace. Give me the ball, and I'm going to get it done. And he did that a lot that year. And then, you know, I just remember, like, the way the camera panned, and he was coming, and he was walking towards the first base side and shit, and he was, like, pumped up and shit, and he was ready to go. And, I, and Terry Collins, for all the great shit he did, he let his heart get in the way, and then we lose that game. And then it was downhill from there. Um, He didn't have a real good 2006. He had like a mediocre 2016 or whatever. He had the outlet, the, the thoracic outlet syndrome. And I think you could make the argument, again, I don't know the science and my MO is not to fucking spend 30 hours a week, you know, looking at the science or, you know, the analytics or whatever. But he pitched a lot in that game. And I think maybe subconsciously to not hurt his elbow. He paid attention to, you know, he overcompensated the rest of it. I don't think he should have had surgery, but he had surgery. He had thoracic outlet syndrome surgery, which is you remove a rib from the, like your very top rib. And to me, that just changed his anatomy and it zapped him of all of his 97 mile, mile an hour. I remember calling pitches because I really like baseball. I like the the strategy of it. Like I remember calling pitches and I was you know, I was drinking and shit. I was drinking Michelob for whatever reason. And like I remember calling outside fastball and he he fuck like ninety seven mile an hour on the black. I think it was a left handed hitter. And um he lost that and I don't think he knew again, I'm not an expert. I don't know Matt Harvey. I don't know any major league players at all. But I just think he he relied so much on that fastball, which in baseball you you work if you have a really good fastball, you can work off of it. You know, you're hitting 97, 98, You know, and you can move it, and you have some movement on the inside, and the outside, depending on you know if it's a right hand hit or left hand hit or whatever. You think that then you have a good changeup, you have a good curveball, you have a good slider, something off speed, and you're good. Like Clemens was really good at like the splitter for example. I don't know Harvey's repertoire, but he was so New York. He was so like Batman. He was dark haired. He was tall, athletic, muscular, and he threw gas. And he threw that cheddar, like the hot stinking Limburger, like they said on the Rookie of the Year. And you know, that year we had a young DeGrom, we had a young uh th- uh Noah Syndergaard, we had Bartolo Colon, I can't remember the other pitchers, you know, we, we we just, you know, Jerry's Familia, who's still on, who left the Mets and came back, and has kind of reinvented himself, it was just all working, right, so then, whatever happens, apparently he had a little bit of nightlife, and maybe that's one of those things, I, I guess he's from Connecticut, so maybe he just, he just took that, you know, that fame and the fortune. He had a nightlife. He wasn't showing he didn't show up to games. He was late and whatever. And I don't say that shit to disparage him. But ultimately it led to him being DFA'd. And I'm the kind of guy that gets a little bit of attached to the guys on the teams that I really like. Not the Kobe that I just was standing, because I'm not a Laker fan. Um, but at some point it decided that he wasn't. You know, they tried to put him in the bullpen. He resisted. I mean, again, he had, like, a terrible, like, 2007. Two, last half of 2016, I think it was, 2017. And then he got DFA'd sometime in 2018. So, this is a guy uh, that basically, with so much talent, it just... He got the Mets back on track. Back on track, and I think something like that leads us to the promised land, kind of indirectly, where like 2013, like the is it yeah? Because he had Tommy John surgery in 2014. So 2013, the fucking All Star Game is at City Field, still somewhat of a new stadium. He, I want to say he struck out the side. He did really good in that game. The whole town is buzzing, even if on uh, The Tonight Show, whatever it was, The Late Late Show, these motherfuckers didn't know who he was. But, like, he just he just had, he was tall, he had the fucking number 33, and, and he was a fire-breathing dragon, you know what I mean? And uh, he leaves. And I was disappointed. I'm like, yo, maybe this, you know, but he didn't want the role that they wanted to give him. He was missing game, missing practices, being, you know, whatever it was, whether he was drunk. I don't think they would say drugs or whatever, but he just, he was enjoying the nightlife in New York. So then I want to say he gets signed by the Angels, doesn't do much the athletics. In, in, I don't know if that's the right order. And then he goes to the Orioles this year, and he was 3-2. I don't know what his fucking ERA was, but he was pitching really well. The Mets talked about it on their broadcast because he was getting ready to play them. And, um, last week on like the, maybe it was week and a half ago, it was like May 4th or May 5th, he gets his return to City Field. And it's a little bit disappointing that it's pandemic and I think there was 8,500 fans. I really believe we owe him. Granted, he never turned out to be the next coming receiver. He never turned out to be Doc Gooden. You know what I mean? He, I mean, fuck hell, he's not even Jacob deGrom. So in that sense, it, it, it maybe he doesn't really deserve, you know, a certain kind of accolade. But this guy was like the best star that we had for a very long time. I want to say he started the All-Star game, then Grandison came. You know, shit like that. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I think that we're we're not giving him his due. There was a reason. He was very dominant. I don't remember that. I can't seem to find it, but he was very dominant between 2013 and 2015. Okay year in 2016. Then, you know, started dropping off at that. And I think what Harvey needs to be commended on is the fact that he decided winning was more important. And, he knew he had an issue. Maybe he was going to blow out his ACL. But they didn't stop him. It ultimately, I think, that the belief is that they overused him. And his, you know, the nerve, it kind of runs from your shoulder underneath your bottom rib up to your neck. That That, that was to, like, his detriment. But at the same time, like, could he have rested and kept his anatomy in line and the whole thing? So... He had such a reputation that the A's, the uh, Angels, and now the Orioles gave him an opportunity. And I, you know, in a sense, America's about redemption stories and the baseball community at large recognized, and the fans as well, like us Mets fans, I think you kind of feel like everybody's always on the team, even when they're not, so... I was just very happy to see that he came back in a different uniform. He now, granted, he didn't very very well. We beat the Orioles seven to one that day, but I always kind of wished that he would get his velocity back. You know, I was talking the off scenes off season about him coming back as a bullpen roll. and I guess it's kind of weird, like in the sense of he wouldn't have accepted that with the Mets because I think he was the ace at the time. But maybe coming back a few years removed, it's one thing. So like I equate that to having like a real serious girlfriend and she wants a break and you're so in love with her that you can't you can't bring yourself to you know to have a break with her, but then she breaks up with you and then a few years later, you know, she comes back because she wants to be with you and you're like, okay. That that wasn't the re, we didn't reunite that way with Matt Harvey. But he came back to City Field. He got a standing ovation. I want to say there's no position players playing from when he was there. Otherwise, that would have been awesome. But uh, you know, de is there and Synegaard. But I think I want to say those well, Familia, of course, but I think those are the only three. So I just want to say, we Met fans appreciate Matt Harvey. Um, things happen the way they happen, and um, one day you'll be the Dark Knight, whether that's in Gotham, whether that's on this, you know, the Bay of Baltimore, or whatever. Um, Matt Harvey just gave me reason to hope, and uh, big fire. Ball and right-hander just seemed like baseball to me. So, Harvey, good luck to you. Um, let's go Mets, of course, and uh, best of luck. Um, you're going to be okay, Matt. All right, you guys, third segment of the... Five seventeen episode. I, I am gonna have to post that I made a mistake. I didn't make a mistake, I just decided to do Kobe in this week rather than miss the opportunity on the you know the, the current events. Again, don't forget to follow me, Spotify. I'm just talking anchor, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Pocket Cast, Cast Box, Radio Public, Overcast, just to name a couple. Or a few, I should say. But the uh, the last segment is really about how the Knicks went from, like, the same band of freaking boobs to uh, currently 10.54 p.m. 5.15 or in the fourth spot. That only holds if the... Uh, if the Hawks lose, and I think the Hawks play tomorrow and they play some bullshit-ass team. But if nothing else, for the for the first time in eight years, the Knicks are in the playoffs. No worse than a six seed, which means they actually get a playoff series. And I don't know how this playoff game shit works. I think it's a good thing. I ultimately think that it gives more fan bases, more players a reason to play, more franchises a reason not to tank. I feel like I need to do a whole fucking episode on load management, but less reason to load manage and, um, and that. So I've been a Knicks fan since fuck. I don't know, maybe 1985, 1986. I remember when they drafted Patrick Ewing, Jordan was still killing the NBA. Then the the Knicks were like good and then not, you know what I mean? They were just like right there. Then they had guys like Starks and Oakley and Mason and, Before Mason, there was Charles Smith. And then, uh, you know, stupidest thing is we had, like, Rod Strickland, really good point guard. Mark Jackson, who some may consider one of the top – in the top ten of point guards all time, you know, around Patrick Ewing. Um, But the last time I felt this good about the Knicks wasn't even in 2013 when they – I want to say they won 54 games against um, – With um, Mike Woodson at the helm. And I, I want to say Phil is my father. Fucking Phil Jackson. I want to say he scrapped that after that year. Um, should I, I should be more accurate on that. But either way, we haven't done shit since then. And um, you know, going into this year, it didn't seem to be much different. A lot of people didn't expect the playoff run. You know, you got Tibbs, who's a really tough... He's from Connecticut, which is kind of close by, depending on where, like right across the Long Island Sound. So it's just one of those things where, like, the management, make the the coaches make that much of difference. So, excuse me. Do I expect the Knicks to get to the second round? Only if they play like the Hawks or the Heat. But if they play like Milwaukee or Philly, or New Jersey. I don't think so. And the reason is there's just too much talent. The Knicks, I think, are talented. They got quickly. You know, RJ Barrett is coming to his own. Um, to me, if you listen to my last episode, Julius Randle is, to me, the MVP. But it's so, so awesome to, like, have a reason to pl- to watch Playoff basketball this year I'd really love for it to be a top 4 seed Even a top 5 Because I think 4 and 5 play each other So it's either It's either we get the 4th seed and play um, Atlanta Get the 5th seed and play Atlanta Or get the 4th seed And somehow play um, Miami So As a fan base, we've gone in spurts. 94, lost the title. and eh, not much going on. Bring in Spreewell and Canby. Holy shit, we're in the finals and then lose to Tonkin and the boys. And then, it's really been garbage until like 2013, I guess it was. You know, we had 54 wins. I want to say that's the year we had. We either had uh, Prigioni and Kid. yeah. Because I think what's his name got traded or left or whatever. But like we had good teams. And I just don't know why we couldn't get past whatever. I think that year we beat uh, Milwaukee, not Milwaukee, Chicago or some shit in the first round and then maybe lost to Milwaukee or whatever. It's, you know, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but like, dude, I'm so happy that these assholes are fucking in the playoffs. Like, Again, Randall played out of his mind. Reggie Bullock, Reggie Bullock, tonight hit another big three against the Hornets. Um, RJ Barrett has a couple of and ones coming down the lane with his. I don't think that people realize, and it's the way he carries himself that he's left-handed, where they force him left. Um, it's just a very, very good time to be a Nick fan. What I'd love to do is recap their first game, their first series, or what have you, and and then go from there. Thibodeau, coach of the year. Like, I wish I had some influence, but I don't. But you know, Thibodeau, he's the guy. You know, Alec, Alec Burke just came back from um injury, just burying threes. I want to say we have two more games and we might only have one game left. Where that puts us like it's kind of it's kind of gonna be what it's gonna be, but if Atlanta winds up losing a couple, we are in there like swimwear. I mean, thirty-six wins, seventy-two game season. I mean, I don't know what could you possibly say. I lied. I uh, I didn't update correctly. I looked at the wrong line. Forty-win season. So right now. Hold on, I'm looking. Oh, no, I hit the wrong button. So in the conference, we are tied with Atlanta for 40 and 31, which basically means we both have two games, to oh, one game to go. And uh, Miami, still the same. They got one game to go. But, you know, I think the question was posed on uh, – whether or not it was a failure If the Knicks didn't get the second round I would say no But I would also say it's a huge disappointment So I mean these guys are all playing Nilakina, I think it's his third year in the league Playing as much as he can When he can he plays good Derek Rose I thought was done Playing awesome Todd Gibson, I wasn't really understanding there, playing good. Then the other guys, like Nerlens Noel, I don't think he understood he was going to play a lot, but then Robinson gets hurt and he's in there. He had some couple of monster blocks where, like, he wasn't waiting for no cats in the paint. Like, he shuffled his feet and jumped at the right time kind of shit. Um, What was the other one? Uh, when Julius Randle was around. Marjay Barrett would improved. Um, you know, that's a good little rotation, like Rose, Noel, uh, shit, I don't even remember. You know, Gibson's in there. Uh, quickly's in there. Bullock is in there. Alfred Payton doesn't get as much. So it's just one of those things, man. Like I'm starting to lose my my mind because I'm like thinking about like thinking ahead. Like if they get the four seed and they avoid one of the big three, then they, pl- I'd hope they play Atlanta either way. I think Miami still a miss- little bit misleading where they could probably get there again. But like we're fucking there. Nick fans, like in terms of we're in the dance and you never know, like remember 99 where we got in the dance and of course and short strike shortened season. We're playing good. And then, you know, Ewing blows out his Achilles, but you never fucking know. Now, granted, I don't know if I'd go and put a 1,000 at Caesars or whatever the fuck it is on the next one in the championship, but they made it to the championship. They have a locked-in top seed spot. And uh, this Knicks fan who watched Patrick Ewing finger roll and miss against the papers in game seven. Pacers in game seven. This motherfucker couldn't be happy, er, unless these motherfuckers win a championship. So, New York Knicks forever. Let's go Mets and uh, Mamba out. Here's what I'm gonna say: Why these things are important. Sports parallels life. Sport gives people inspiration. And especially when you're struggling with other things, a situation like Kobe and being in the public eye, talking to his daughter, um, beginning to do interviews and, you know, and you have to understand that you have to have a desire in front of you that that other people don't have or inside of you. Um, Appreciative post of Matt Harvey being the savior who started the ball rolling. Ultimately, His right arm as the ace. um, Burnt out, I think, trying to get us a World Series title. And we can't be thankful enough. And then uh, the Knicks making the playoffs. Persevere. It's okay to revamp. It's okay to, like, start over. But you got to have a plan when you do. And we'll see. Maybe they get to the second round. Um, I do want to tell you all that There's been some issues, uh, with Spotify. So if you listen through Spotify, I'd love for you to just let me know you have so that I can sort of track the listens there. I will tell you guys that this is some shit I really enjoy and I hope you enjoy it too. Um, not, not the content, but just like talking into the mic, feeling like it's therapeutic for me. Um, I'm just I'm just talk under I'm underscore just talking underscore should I mess it up? I'm underscore just underscore talking. No, I said it right. T A W K I N. Um here on Anchor Spotify Google Podcast Apple Podcast Castbox Overcast Radio Public. Get it in, get a listen. Uh follow me on Instagram. I I just said that. So never mind that. Um I do have a personal Instagram page, C E L L O 0902. Um I just got a mic. I'm hoping to get like a mixer or an audio inter- interface so I can add some weird sound effects or just sound better. Um this is one of the first ones I've done. Not really on a whim, because I've been thinking about this stuff, but I I gotta get it in. Because the week has been crazy I'm scrambling a little bit for time So I appreciate you guys You know, all of my listeners Whether you're friends, family, newbies um, This is it, man Kobe Mamba Mentality Matt Harvey The Dark Knight Throwing Gas Or the Knicks Grit, grime, toughness—just like New York City, just like the city I remember. Even Long Island, parts of Long Island are like just like that—dense, gritty, and not so much just the way they look. Just people grind. People don't give a shit. Like they're out to get theirs. So Thibodeau's mentioned that you know this is the the soul of the city or the identity of the city, and I agree with him. So, uh. New York forever, Mamba out, respect, quality, quality, respect, unity and equality, Cello and the I'm Just Talking podcast are out.